folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I'm excited to discuss this Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Detroit Pistons, a barn burner of an affair. Final score, 119-100. Really excited to talk about this one because it's going to be a little bit more fun, I I think, this time around. Uh, hello to everybody that's in the chat. Uh, let's go, Dom. Abel, what's up? Uh, Dr. Van Nostrand, I'd love to love to see that tag in the chat always. Let's go, Nugs. Absolutely. Uh, really appreciate everybody for hopping in. We're going to have a good time. I think that's important to celebrate moments like this where it's not like it's not it shouldn't be this stressful. Right? Like, it really should not be this stressful for the Denver Nuggets to try to get a W, uh, but they did. And the game was tied at 86 86 heading into the fourth quarter. Didn't really know which way it was going to go. I feel like there was definitely a moment of truth kind of moment in that, in that huddle in between the third and the fourth. But it was nice to see the Nuggets kind of come out of this on the other side with a W and really performing well. And you got to circle back. Actually, you know, we'll talk about the starters in the first segment. Talk about the bench in the second segment. I actually thought that there were some good things that came from the bench tonight, which, wow, surprise. That's not usually what happens. But really do appreciate being able to discuss that just like and and have more fun with it this time around. Uh, And then in the third segment, we're going to do some fan questions. So I've I've got a couple keyed up here, but if you want to drop some in the chat, uh, my producer, Michael, will, will keep keep monitoring the chat and we can try to uh, have all of those uh, be asked and answered at the end of the podcast, but should be a lot of fun. Let's first go to Nikola Jokic, though, who, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but Nikola Jokic, he doesn't really have a lot to prove, not in my eyes anyway. There, there's a lot of things that he'll have to a- answer for in the playoffs, and I think everybody knows that. Every Nuggets fan knows that, and they understand it. They, don't, they may not agree, but it's nights like tonight where you go against James Wiseman, you go against Jalen Duran, a couple of young centers, don't have a lot of experience in the league, clearly going to be good, or at least Duran will be, uh, going forward in the NBA. But right now, they get an opportunity to see Nikola Jokic at his best and what that looks like, what it looks like to be the pinnacle of an offensive center in the NBA. And Jokic absolutely dominated tonight. and He didn't need really any free throws, any threes in order to do it. He has the greatest touch in the NBA. It's just very, very impressive to watch what he does on a consistent basis. And I think tonight, he really separated himself uh, in this game, he he showed up in a big way, was the biggest difference, obviously, in this one. There, there were some guys that played well in Denver's rotation. There were some guys that played well in the Detroit rotation. But Jokic was clearly like the main attraction. And honestly, you could hear it over the broadcast. I'm obviously recording at home. This was a game in Detroit. But you could hear it over the broadcast where all of these fans are ooing and aahing whenever Jokic is doing pretty much anything. And that's really cool. That's a cool feeling to have when the guy that uh, your franchise loves is also getting love on the road in in an arena where they don't really have a lot to, like they don't have a lot to support right now in Detroit. 
Obviously, Cade has been out. So they're in the Victor Wembanyama sweet takes. There's definitely more on the way for them. But they get to go see Nikola Jokic. And Jokic absolutely put on a show. It was really cool to watch him and really cool to see him turn it up in the moments that really, really matter. Uh, I like to see that. I like to see Jokic. Uh, it, it was very casually dominant, but there were some flashy moves, of course. Had that pivoting up and under. Actually had two up and unders on separate occasions against Duran and against Wiseman. And the, the one against Wiseman went viral. That was a That was a really cool play. And I think it goes to show that, I mean, Jokic is the best post center in the league. There's nobody that is better in the post than he is. Uh, Embiid gets a lot of love for his post game, but the numbers actually really do bear it out that Jokic goes into the post more frequently and also is just more of a back-to-the-basket player as opposed to Embiid, who's more of a face-up guy. But I really do think that what Jokic is doing right now, it is going to go under the radar, especially over these last five games. I actually think that he's been pretty good from an offensive standpoint. Hasn't really seen that much fall-off in general. And his actual production, his actual play been really, really good, just been kind of masked by bad defense and uh, just a, a horrible bench for a lot of the time. Also, Murray was was pretty bad for much of this last week. But I do think that Jokic, his defense tonight was better. It wasn't perfect. It didn't need to be. They still won by 20. And that's exactly what you're going to need. You need exactly that level of performance to separate yourself in the in the fourth quarter it took other guys really stepping up, but Jokic was there the entire time. He helped uh, keep this game close for Denver when the rest of the team was not playing well. And then when the rest of the team started to play well, he still played well. He still was great. And so you love to see that. He never really took his foot off the gas at any point. And he was actually taken out right before he got that 10th assist. Uh, the final play before he got it, uh, Michael Porter was fouled at the rim on what would have been the 10th assist had Michael Porter converted that shot. And Michael Malone still decided to take him out. And that's great. I fully salute that decision by Michael Malone. I think that's the right call. You do not want to be seen as stat padding. You do not want to be seen as trying to run up the tally for those triple doubles. And I'm sure Kendrick Perkins will not mention this game at all tomorrow. Like that's that's definitely not happening on first take or wherever Kendrick Perkins is going to be appearing on the ESPN platform, but it is good to see Denver not chasing those things. They have more important things to worry about, and I'm just glad that the priorities are clearly in order on this one. Jamal Murray, uh, a nice bounce back game for Jamal Murray. For a lot of this last week, the plus minus that Jamal's been putting up over the course of this time has been pretty wretched. It has been not good. The team has not performed well when Jamal's been on the court. So it was nice to see him lead the team in plus minus tonight, where obviously Jokic is the best player. Nobody's going to take that away from him, but Jamal still put up some great numbers. 19 points on 7 of 15 from the field, and a couple of those misses were offensive rebounded put back by either Jokic or AG, guys like that. Uh, but Murray also had 10 assists and 6 rebounds, and I don't think his defense was very good. I think that that came across the timeline pretty clearly from just about everybody, but uh, I do think that it's nice for Jamal to have this kind of a bounce-back performance in what was a low-pressure situation against a team that is not good. He needed this. I think it's pretty clear that he needed this, and there were a lot of folks that were questioning whether he should play. Uh, if, if you are 
I think it was right tibia inflammation that he was dealing with, according to the injury report, on top of the left knee injury management. So clearly dealing with a bunch of bumps, bruises, soreness, uh, and potential injury going forward. But uh, I think it's more important for him to just see the ball go through the hoop and for him to play well. The defense is probably not going to be good as he is this banged up. He will tighten that up in the playoffs. I feel pretty comfortable about that. But in general, it's just about seeing the ball go through. It's seeing how the team can play well around him when he is taking the certain number of shots, when he's taking a certain number of possessions. But 10 assists to 4 turnovers, that is a fine ratio. Clearly okay. 2.5 is good. 6 rebounds, getting involved on the glass, that's good. I think 15 shots is also around the area that you want him to be in general, uh, just because he's always going to be kind of a, a higher volume shot taker. I think that Jokic should be higher in general, and that will probably manifest in the playoffs a little bit more. But Murray should be about 15 to 20, erring on the side of 15 against worse teams, because that should be the time where you get everybody else involved. And, and I think he did that tonight. 10 assists, I think, speaks for itself. And I thought he did a pretty good job of running the bench unit when he was out there with the second half. So that's a good sign. We'll talk about that a little bit more in the second segment when we discuss the bench, but it was good to see that. Uh, But Russell, I do agree. Actually, Danny says this too. Uh, He played 40 more minutes too. Definitely needs to sit. Uh, Then Russell says Murray playing too much. I'm with you guys. They're like, he shouldn't be playing 40. There's no, there's no reason to play him 40 minutes. Uh, and, and honestly, the team didn't need him to play 40 minutes. They probably should have had Michael Porter play more minutes because there are there's definitely an opportunity for a Bruce Brown, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Jeff Green, Thomas Bryant lineup. Like, there's definitely opportunities for that. And the fact that Murray didn't really sit in the fourth quarter, I think it says how important it was for Denver to get this W, but also that Michael Malone just, like, that's going to be his normal rotation in a lot of ways in that three-minute stretch where he could choose to pull out Murray or he could choose to leave him back in. If it's close, he's probably going to leave him in there. Doesn't want to take him out and then disrupt his his rhythm. So that's going to be something that Nuggets fans are going to have to get adjusted to. But uh, the 38, 39 minutes, I think, is probably here to stay in close games. The hope is that you can remove him from the last minutes of the game uh, if the game is decided. That would be a good uh, place for Denver to eventually get to, but they're not there yet. So hopefully they can cut down on the minutes because I think if he plays fewer minutes, he'll probably play better defense and he'll probably just be in better overall shape to be in the playoffs. And that would be the best thing for Denver, obviously. Michael Porter, um, probably not the uh, probably not the best number of minutes for him, but he also didn't really play that well. I think he was 2 of 10 at one point in this game, obviously finished 4 of 4, did some good things around the rim, had a final basket that uh, was an and one in transition right at the end of the game, and, but he did have three blocks in the first half, so I don't want put to put this as like, hey, he had a bad game because he missed shots. I do think that he played reasonably good defense. If, if we're looking at the defensive issues in that first half for Denver, I think it was Murray and I think it was Aaron Gordon. And I honestly think that KCP didn't play that great of defense in the first half, but uh, <laughs> you won't 
you won't catch anybody else saying that at, at this point. But uh, in general, Michael Porter deserves to be out there, obviously needs to continue to be out there, even when the shooting isn't going down. Because if, if you're going to take him out when the shooting is great, you probably need to leave him back in there when, when the shooting is bad. Because he still has the ability to make an impact late in games where he hits a key three, uh, he gets around the basket, finishes some points, and then does some good things on the defensive end too. Uh, He had the lowest plus minus of the starters tonight, uh, probably because of the lower shooting number than normal, but he still finished the game 6 of 14, and that's a great sign. Like Even on his inefficient nights right now, Michael Porter's still finding ways to be relatively efficient. 15 points on 14 shots, Denver will survive. Clearly, that's not that big of a deal. So it's good to see. Uh, it's good to see that in general. Uh, Michael Porter is like I think what he's done for the team this season has obviously I've talked about it a lot, but in general it goes under the radar when it comes to national narratives. Michael Porter's been fantastic, as as everybody like should know. Like he has been really really good. And this Nuggets team would not be where it is without him. Like, I really do believe that. Jokic is going to be the, st- the straw that stirs the drink. Murray, I think, has the ceiling to be an all-star caliber player and somebody who changes playoff games pretty consistently. Porter's going to win them a series, whether he or he's going to lose them a series if he doesn't play well. But I do think that I'm going to err on the side of him winning it because it's been that good. It's been really, really helpful. Was not impressed with Aaron Gordon's defense in the first half. I thought that he was pretty lazy in general, but clearly tightened that up in the second half. Denver as a whole tightened things up in the second half, and I think Aaron Gordon's effort level and his focus level was key among that. Uh, He also just had great finishing around the rim. 15 points on 6 of 9 was the beneficiary of some good dump-off passes for both Jokic and Murray. Uh, really good stuff from him. He also got onto the offensive glass and grabbed some good offensive rebounds there. So positive game overall from Aaron Gordon, though. Got to point it out. Three of six from the free throw line again. That is still something. That is still something to be worried about if I'm a Nuggets fan because uh, that's going to be a key in a playoff series at some point too. Uh, also, yeah, uh, Dr. Van Nostrand, the MPJ block tonight, the one that he spiked off of the backboard. <laughs> And like it, it went out to the free throw line again. It was really cool. <laughs> it's really cool to see Michael Porter be as athletic as he has been. Very, very nice. Um, Todd also says AG looked worn out. Surprisingly, Jamal looked refreshed. Uh, yeah, I mean Jamal, I, I still think is dealing with a lot from a physical standpoint. But AG is one of those guys that's kind of gone under the radar over the course of this last uh, couple months. But he has definitely slowed down after taking a heavy beating. Uh, It's one of the reasons why Michael Malone does not like to play him heavy minutes, because when Aaron Gordon is playing heavy minutes, you can only do that for a certain number. Like the 29 minutes that he played tonight is really good. If he has to play 35, 36, 37, it's probably not going to be as good. Um, So yeah, we will see what it ultimately looks like. But last one, and maybe I should have had him third, Casey. KCP tonight was really, really good. Was 3 of 11 in the first half. Not the shooting number that you would look for, but I do think that a lot of those missed shots were ones that Denver could live with based off of where they were coming from, 
uh, had a couple where he was trying to be aggressive to the rim and uh, didn't necessarily go well. But the three shots that he hit in the first half were very key for the bench. And that stint was average to good for for that bench unit. And it's not usually a thing that Denver can say, but there were two back-to-back threes that KCP hit that were preceded by a very weird mid-range shot that he he kind of bobbled and mis- miscommunicated with Jeff Green, but kind of hit a leaning 19-footer, which, cool, it, it went in great, but probably should have a little bit of a better communication there. But uh, still was really good to see KCP, especially in the second half, hit a couple threes late in the game. Uh, definitely 7 of 15 is, is probably more shots than he is usually going to get in a playoff situation, but uh, he had 20 points and 4 of 7 from 3. Clearly a threat from out there that the that the Pistons had to respect. So it makes it easier for everybody else when KCP is hitting, and he hadn't been hitting lately. So it's nice to see him do that. Obviously gets the three steals tonight. That's going to be very helpful and really good to see in general just KCP playing well. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss uh, – we're going to discuss the bench unit and why I think it was good in general. But first, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Make 2023 the year you beat Vegas. Superbook Sports gives you the chance every single week to go head-to-head with the best odds makers in the business. No fancy computer algorithms, no guys across the bond, uh, across the pond setting lines for American sports, just the best team of odds makers in Las Vegas behind the counter at Superbook. Plus, Superbook features some of the best odds boosts and promo bets anywhere. So make sure to download the Superbook Sports app now or visit uh, Superbook.com and start your battle against Vegas. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to give this podcast a like on the YouTube side if you're over there. That really helps me out, absolutely. Helps out the entire YouTube channel. We've got some interesting things coming down the pipeline on the MHS YouTube channel and as well as just at MHS in general. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Obviously, the recap for this game is up live on milehighsports.com. I spend time on that during and after the game to make sure that it's good for everybody. So if you want a visual aid for this particular podcast, then that's a pretty good one to have. Uh, Really appreciate all the love on the show over the course of these last few weeks. It has definitely continued to grow, and I love to have that, even though the Nuggets have not been good over the course of these past couple weeks. But in general, thank you so much. Let's talk about the bench unit. Let's talk about what happened in this game. Murray had 11 first quarter points, and usually when that happens, usually when Michael Malone can kind of sense that he is playing well, that he is playing in rhythm, he will leave Murray out there and put KCP with the bench. And KCP did really well when, when he was with the second unit. There, there were still some things that I think Denver could do better with that second unit. I don't think that Jeff Green being out there, I, I think that really cramps the spacing in a lot of ways when Thomas Bryant is 
hovering around the rim. He's doing what he can to get offensive rebounds, things like that. Uh, but Bruce Brown, KCP, Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Thomas Bryant, it's a veteran heavy unit that also features Christian Brown as a rookie. And I thought it worked out reasonably well. That's nice. It's nice to see a lineup not go completely uh, haywire when Denver absolutely needs it to be good. But then in the second half, Denver switches it back. They go to Jamal with that group. And it was good to see that lineup have success as well. Uh, On the evening, Jeff Green was a plus 14. Bruce Brown was a plus 9. Thomas Bryant was a plus 3. And Christian Brown was a plus 9. Uh, Thomas Bryant and Christian Brown were also out there for one minute of garbage time where uh, Ish Smith was a minus three. So they definitely uh, caught some of that as well. But in general, uh, really good to see the bench be a positive tonight. And a lot of that did come in the second half with that group led by Jamal. But I don't want to give Jamal too much credit here because I I think, obviously, I, I try to credit him properly when he gets it. But I think that the catalyst was Christian Brown. I really do. Christian Brown is one of those guys that you don't know exactly what you're going to get. I I think everybody feels like they know what they're going to get from Christian Brown, what the Nuggets are going to get from Christian Brown. But in general, what Denver really is going to get from him from a production standpoint, you never really know. Because sometimes he could take zero shots in a game. Sometimes he could take six, like he did tonight. And I thought he was good. I thought he was really, really helpful for this Nuggets group. And his energy, his clutchness, his rebounding, as Stefan mentions in the comments, uh, had two steals and a block. Uh, both of those, like all three of those stocks were very, very important. And the three that he hit with about, I don't know, 640 left in the game or so, that was a really big one because it took what was a relatively close game to a double digit game, if I'm not mistaken. And In that moment, Denver had been building a little bit of a lead. They had been doing pretty well. Jokic comes back in. Christian Brown goes out on the the wing, and he hits a clutch three. Uh, I think the pass was delivered by Murray, if I'm not mistaken. But those two have found some good chemistry over the course of this season. I think that Murray looks for Christian Brown. Sometimes he doesn't pass to him enough, but I do think that he looks for him in the flow most of the time. And I think that Christian has absolutely earned it. He has been very good and very efficient over the course of these past couple months, really. And his three-point percentage, if I'm not mistaken, is all the way up to 40%. Like That's what you want in a bench wing. You want somebody who is spacing the floor, who is doing a bunch of good stuff for you, and, and he's versatile. Not necessarily just a guy who stands on the perimeter and does uh, whatever. Like he's, he's not just a floor spacer. He can drive to the rim. He can play defense. He can get get out in transition. And he can also just switch and, and fill a lot of different roles. And the way that he has played over the course of this stretch, just dating back to the Brooklyn game, played in the Brooklyn game, nearly helped them win that game, played in the Toronto game, and I thought played good defense in that game, though wasn't really evolved offensively. And then in this game, Uh, has a really strong performance as well. It's three solid games in a row from Christian Brown where he's made a palpable difference on the result. And that's nice. That's a nice thing to see 
And I think it, it speaks to a lot of folks that thought he should be in the rotation from the outset. And look, at Denver, they had to give Reggie Jackson a try. Have to give Thomas Bryant a try. They're always going to default to their veterans. That's that's how a veteran competitive team usually does it, by the way. They're going to trust the guys that they believe in that have done this for a long time. But what Christian Brown has done is he's kind of nuzzled into that rotation spot because he's been good every single time he's been out there. And I love to see it from him. I think that he's going to be an impactful player in the playoffs. And he seems like a gamer. Like every, every I think... Uh, Nikola Jokic said it after that Brooklyn loss where Christian Brown came in and affected the game. And he said, Christian's won uh, wherever he's gone. And then Nikola said, I haven't won anything. Which, by the way, is it's a little bit dramatic from Nikola. But in general, Christian Brown's one of those hustle guys that every team needs. They need those guys off the bench. They need guys that can make a major difference in the hustle categories. And as Russell says, CB is the Caruso type that we need. And I agree. I think he's going to play the seventh most minutes, maybe the eighth most minutes off the bench in the playoffs. Michael Malone knows he wants to have him out there. He's trusting the veterans in a lot of other cases, but now it's going to come down to getting wins. And I do think that Christian Brown helps you get wins more than some of the other guys do. So really good stuff from him in general. Uh, Astrid says, I am concerned with Jamal not being able to shake off his guy. Why is he still playing high minutes compared to AG and MPJ? Uh, Astrid, I can't really say anything about the high level of minutes. I I don't think that he should be playing that much either. Uh, But in general, he's never really been a quick twitch athlete in general. So sometimes a lot of folks, what they think they're seeing from him, from a burst standpoint, from a quickness standpoint, it's not actually what's going on. He's always been more of a finesse, tricky, uh, kind of um, like a guy with a lot of different moves as opposed to a guy that just like gets by his man. So I do think that there's a balance there. He's probably not as quick as he needs to be, but he's probably never going to be like, he's not going to be jaw. He's not going to be De'Aaron Fox. He's not going to be one of those guys. The good news is that he's a better shooter than those guys. So he can, he can really make up for it with that. And he's also been passing the ball really well lately. So could be could be worse, that's for sure. Bruce Brown. Uh, Bruce Brown made a positive impact on the defensive end, especially in that first half. Uh, three steals and two blocks in that first half alone in about 14 minutes, I believe. Didn't have any steals or blocks in the second half, but I thought he played great defense then too, just really contesting the ball, not necessarily doing anything crazy. But the Nuggets need him to be that point of attack defender on ball who's a dog, who is doing his best to avoid getting screened, who is getting into the teeth of the de- uh, to the teeth of whatever action the uh, opposing offense is throwing out there. And he's just got to blow it up. Uh, be physical, be handsy, do so every single time. Try to get away with it as much as you can. Uh, Bruce Brown's fouls are not that important in the grand scheme of things for Denver because he's the sixth man. So... Might as well try to get in there and cause havoc. Uh, the shooting tonight wasn't great. Two of seven from the field, oh of one from three. I also would uh, caution people about the three-point shooting. I'm going to look it up now. He's down to 37%, uh, not including the O of one tonight from three. 37% is a little bit more in line with where I think I thought he should be. 
I remember saying, I just don't trust that he's a 40% three-point shooter. I've said that pretty consistently on this podcast before. And now I do think that he's one of those guys where the other shoe is starting to drop. Uh, Denver's been at the top of the three-point percentage charts for a lot of the year. And he's been one of those guys that has, I think, outperformed expectations. So coming back down to earth a little bit, but if he can at least shoot 35% in the playoffs, then that's good enough. Denver doesn't need anything more than that. They just need 35%. And as long as he can handle that, then great. Other than that, uh, filled up the box score in a number of ways, five rebounds, four assists, three steals, two blocks. Great stuff. And was a plus nine. So that's what you want to see from Bruce Brown. Jeff Green. A low-volume effort from Jeff Green tonight, though he did get four rebounds. And honestly, I've I'm, I'm been impressed with the rebounding numbers that Jeff has been putting up. Um, I think that of late, he's been pretty decent. It, I do think that the three-point shooting and the floor spacing specifically make things a little bit more difficult for the second unit. But there are some good things that Jeff Green does. It's just not that helpful uh, in the grand scheme of things. Like he can he can make individual plays reasonably well. The transition dunk that he had, great. But the only other things that he did, like he got fouled one time, he got a transition dunk, and then he missed an open three. If those are the only real possessions you are taking up, like it's good to be a role player in that situation. Nobody's ever going to fault somebody for shooting too little unless they're like wide open and they don't shoot. With Jeff, I, I do think he's trying to fit in around what the Nuggets are doing. But there, there's part of me that thinks, yeah, I mean, he should probably take more shots. But there's also part of me that thinks, well, Christian Brown got six shots. And maybe this is the right distribution where Jeff Green is the fourth or fifth option and Christian Brown is the second or third option with that group. I don't want to say that like, I think that's true and I think that's right, but I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out just as much as everybody else is right now, but uh, <laughs> Stefan, that's a funny comment. I'm just going to throw that one up on screen. And if you're listening on the podcast or if you're listening to the pod, you'll have to go click on the YouTube video for sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Abel also says Bruce has lost his floater. He has struggled at scoring for a while. Yeah, that's definitely gone away, Abel. I think that's that's one of those things where he would be the second option on offense in a lot of ways, especially on that bench unit. But I don't think the Nuggets are going to be that happy with that in the playoffs. I think they're going to have to figure some other stuff out. Probably going to have to uh, just get a little bit more intense from a uh, from a scoring perspective and from a, a staggering the starter perspective. Why did I say intense? That's not what I meant. But... Yeah, they're going to have to do a little bit better from a just a staggering the rotation perspective. We talked about this on the last show, though. So if you're interested in my thoughts on the actual rotation itself, make sure to go check out yesterday's show in the Pickaxe and Roll feed. Uh, but in general, Jeff Green, very much like a part of things, not necessarily the parts, but he was out there and was a plus 14 in his 18 minutes. That's That says a lot of good things. I, I don't want to belittle that. So I think he knows how to fit in when things are going well. I just don't think that he knows and, and is capable of really changing the tenor of a game if things aren't going well. And for the bench this year, it hasn't gone well that much of the season, especially when Jeff has been out there. So 
look, if, if they have a good formula, then Jeff will fit into that. If they don't, then I think Jeff kind of detracts. Like, he, he isn't going to save something. So, is what it is. That's fine. Denver's got to know that going into the playoffs, and maybe they'll give Vlaco another shot. But in general, if Jeff is the eighth guy, I'm not that worried. It was when he was the starting four last year that obviously that was a, a little bit different. All right. Let's go to Thomas Bryant now, wrap up with him. Only 13 minutes tonight for Thomas Bryant. Uh, has po- Had points. I think he had three points. I didn't put that in the into the actual banner, unfortunately, but had three points, four rebounds, and one turnover, but was a plus three in his 13 minutes. And I actually think that that was a plus six before garbage time. So when Thomas Bryant is a plus six, you're going to be okay. Like unless, unless something crazy happens with the starting lineup, Thomas Bryant in 13 minutes was a plus six or what would have been a plus six had not for garbage time. That's great. That's exactly what you want. You do not want anything crazy. You definitely need good production from the bench and you need those minutes to not be a drag on the entire operation. Because I think what we've seen so far for Denver in the regular season and one of the reasons why people think of Denver as frauds is that when Jokic is a plus 15, a plus 20, and the Nuggets are still only winning by four, uh, they believe that the Jokic number will normalize and it will be a plus three, plus four but the bench number is going to be worse. And and I don't, or, or it's at least going to stay the same. I don't have any reason to counter that. So Thomas, I don't think has been a, I don't think he's been great since coming to Denver, but I can't really fault the effort. He has been a high effort guy. I do want to mention though, that Jalen Duran really outperformed him in this game. Uh, rookie Jalen Duran. So it's not like, it's not perfect. Like Jalen Duran in 27 minutes at 15 points, 13 rebounds, four assists, and three steals. So some of that came against Jokic. Not a lot of it came against Jokic, though. I do think that Thomas Bryant has to be better in general. Like just just better. He, he will be. I think he'll figure some stuff out over the course of these last 10 games or so. But Denver needs it. They need that to be uh, better in general. So, but good win. Good win for Denver. They absolutely deserved it. They needed that. And it was just a very nice way for every Nuggets fan to, I think, take a sigh of relief and calm down a bit. So when we come back, we are going to talk about that level of chill. We're going to talk about how how Nuggets fans can finally take a chill pill, as well as answering some key fan questions from this game. We'll be right back. segment pickaxe and roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in really appreciate all the love on the podcast folks make sure to go give this video a like if you are in the chat i really appreciate that one all right the nuggets are 47 and 23 on the season they are first place in the western conference and they're now back up to 500 on the road which teams that actually win the title are generally positive on the road like that it's very rare for a team to uh, win a title and actually have a losing record. So these games do actually matter for Denver, I think. Not just from a arbitrary 
stats perspective, but from a psychological perspective, where if you finish with a negative record on the road and then you lose a home game in a playoff series, then it, it puts a lot of pressure on you mentally. Uh, Denver's had better home record, or they've had better road records before. Last year, they actually were, I think, like 25 and 16 or something like that on the road, and they were like 23 and 18 at home. It was kind of a crazy distribution. I don't think I've ever seen that before where a team is that much better on the road than they are at home. Like Usually it's way better at home because you're more comfortable in your own building. But it felt like Denver gave up some leads last year. They've been way better at home this year and somehow worse on the road in general. But it's not the biggest priority. The most important thing is just to get healthy. It's just to... Uh, in general, approach the playoffs in a place of health and a place of playing good basketball. But it would be nice to have a positive road record because most of the teams that actually win their conference have a positive road record. I think actually all of them dating back to 1985-86 Houston Rockets, I think was the stat that I saw. And that's like 40 years ago or 38 years ago. So definitely got to be better than what they've been so far. And the great news is that they've got three more games on this road trip that they can really focus in on that. Next, magic numbers. You've got a magic number of two for a top four seed. Right now, the standings are as follows. Denver is at 47 and 23. The Kings and the Grizzlies each have 27 losses, so four more than the Nuggets do. And the Suns and the Clippers, although the Suns, are they playing right now or did they finish up? Uh, let me refresh this here just real quick. Um, oh, well, that doesn't help me. Uh, somebody tell me whether the Suns actually won or not. I think they did, or they're about to. Um, yeah, so like right now, I know that the Clippers have 33 losses. They are 37 and 33. So Denver, if they win just two more games, will guarantee that they will be a top four seed and have home court in the first round. That is nice to see. Uh, The most important thing, though, is that the magic number is nine for the top of the West. And that obviously comes down to the Kings and the Grizzlies, who each have 27 losses. Denver has the tiebreaker over Memphis. They do not have the tiebreaker yet over the Kings. They're split with the Kings so far, and that tiebreaker could come come down to game 82. I hope that the actual record doesn't come down to game 82 because what it means is that the Kings have just gone on an epic run and the Nuggets have just completely uh, messed themselves up uh, over the course of these last few games. But hopefully so. Oh yeah, Sons of Magic tied at 101. Thank you, Steve. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, so we will see if they actually win. As, as If you guys listened to the last podcast, you know I said the Suns actually could technically drop the six. This, if they did lose this game, that would absolutely uh, play into that. It would absolutely uh, be a potential issue for them. So if Denver gets the one seed, the Suns get the six, and let's say you're looking at the Clippers and the Warriors in the four or five, I don't know who wins that who's wins that series, but whoever does, it'll be a tough matchup for Denver in the second round, uh, assuming that Denver can get past the, the playing teams. Like, I think that they will. I don't have any reason to believe that they won't. But I did put out a poll on 
Twitter tonight, and overwhelmingly the people said that of the teams that they could face, that Denver could face in the first round, they said that OKC and Minnesota were the two teams that they would prefer to see Minnesota in the lead there, and they would not prefer to see Dallas and like the Lakers were in last place in terms of the teams that Nuggets fans want to see. So not really surprised given that the Lakers have played better and they just have a better looking roster and better looking team than a lot of those other teams. Obviously LeBron James and uh, yeah, LeBron James and Anthony Davis are really going to help that. But I think that Denver beats any of those teams. The Nuggets aren't going to have to stress about that one, hopefully, and they can focus on the second round. That would be a great thing if they just got through a series of five games. How cool would that be? But in general, let's now get to uh, this aspect of things. Take a chill pill. (laughs) Nuggets fans don't have to worry all the time. The magic number is nine with 12 games to go. It's going to be really hard for the Nuggets to lose the one seed. But more importantly... Things have basically gone as well for the Nuggets over the course of the regular season as they can ask for. Uh, there could be, like, maybe if you wanted Murray to be playing his best basketball right now, then that would be one thing. If you want Jokic to finish the year strong, that's another. Uh, getting the MVP for the third year in a row, that would be really cool, obviously. But if it doesn't happen, it is what it is. Because Denver, what they're trying to do is they're trying to get themselves as ready for the playoffs as possible. And I feel pretty good about where the Nuggets are in general in relation to some of these other Western Conference teams. Like, I don't know who you can look at in the Western Conference outside of the Nuggets and feel really good about them. You you could say even the Nuggets based off of the last week and a half or so, but if you're looking at just the first 70 games of this, or like if you're looking at the entire season as a whole, it's, it's really hard to say, oh yeah, there's another team that you feel great about. Like Sacramento is... Pretty good, but their point differential is probably not as good as it should be. They're a team that functions really well in the clutch, kind of like the Nuggets have been so far this year. But the Kings, like it, it, being in the clutch is just not good enough, and the Nuggets have been a better team outside of the clutch than the Kings have been. So Memphis is another one where it's hard to feel great about them. Phoenix, if Kevin Durant doesn't play until the playoffs, and obviously it's hard to feel great about that situation, even if you can respect the talent. And I certainly do respect the talent. I think they'll be the biggest threat. But it doesn't mean they're infallible. It doesn't mean that anybody's infallible. Golden State, they every time you feel really good about them, they lose a game that they probably shouldn't. The Clippers, they've figured some things out lately, but they still start Russell Westbrook. Like, I'm okay with that. Uh, and then, then you're down to the teams in the play-in tournament. And when is a team in the play-in tournament or any team that's outside of the top six done anything in the playoffs? Like, it just doesn't happen. So it's hard for me to really respect and really uh, take a, a major look at all of these other teams. Because I, I just think that, I don't know. I, Stefan, like, this just isn't going to happen. Like, if Jamal's 80% of Fox, Kings will sweep. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, Jamal will be way better in the playoffs. I feel pretty strongly about that. Not to mention, like, Jokic will outplay Sabonis. Like, he'll, he'll outplay him by a lot. Like, that is going to happen. Um, The Kings are – it's going to be fine. It's really, really going to be fine. Um, 
Let's get into some questions, though. I have, uh, like, you guys can drop some questions in the comments if you'd like. I'm going to go navigate over to some of the questions that were asked earlier on the on the Twitter side of things. Uh, first one was from Jaden. He asked, if the Nuggets start winning again and Jokic beats Giannis and or Embiid, uh, how toxic will the MVP conversation get? And it's going to be pretty toxic. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's already toxic, obviously. I, I tried to make a joke about it tonight, and somebody took it very seriously. And, like, that's just it's just how everybody's wired at this point. That's how Twitter's wired. Like, it's not a place for jokes, apparently. But uh, everybody's on edge when it comes to the Nuggets fan base, the Bucks fan base, and certainly the Sixers fan base. The Sixers fan base is so tilted by this. They believe that they have God's gift of basketball on their team. And... Like he he's been very good, and I've said that like I thought that Joel Embiid would win, but I also said today, and I, I want to make this clear on the podcast, I still think that Jokic is the most valuable player in the NBA. Like, I think that he is that. I think that he's played worse of late, and these games matter when it comes to narrative building, and Embiid clearly wants it really badly, and that actually does matter in the conversation too, where you have a you have human voters who are trying to look at this from a perspective of historical significance and from a perspective of, hey, Jokic has been awesome, but it's not like he has been like so far better than Embiid or Giannis over the course of these last three years that he should have three in a row. There's a lot of people that feel that way. And I can't really blame anybody for that take. I just more understand it. And so I'm trying to factor that into my own analysis and like and how I think things are going to happen. Uh, but to answer to answer Jaden's question, I do think that if Jokic wins and Denver wins against Milwaukee and against Philly in back to back games, like the, the narrative will shift. It'll definitely shift. Now, it could be a situation like last year where maybe Maybe Jokic outplays Embiid in that March 27th game. But if the Sixers walk out of there with a W and it's not like a crazy disparity between the two performances, then Embiid will probably get the nod. Like he probably just will. And the same goes for Giannis. Like he obviously didn't perform that well tonight having to play center in place of Brooke Lopez. But uh, there's, there's still a lot of stuff to come from this. And, and I do think in general that the MVP race is not decided. It is very even. Anybody that says that it is decided is just being stupid. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been, it's been pretty frustrating, but hopefully things are fine. Um, hurricane, why is the Nuggets media as insane as Broncos media? Uh, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, Brady was clearly better than Manning. There's no doubt about that hurricane. Like, I, I try to be as real as possible. Like, I, I'm not going to spout propaganda. Like, Jokic is probably my favorite player ever. Like, there's there's no doubt about that. But to act like he doesn't have flaws, to act like he's impervious in it and, and not, like, like, he's clearly not perfect. There's a lot of factors that go into that. But honestly, like, I, I, I don't remember who said it. But LeBron and MJ being the pillars that they were for so long and being like the clear 
best players. <laughs> Michael, Michael just private chatted me. Manning is greater than Brady with a whole bunch of dot dot dots. He's clearly wiling out here. Uh, but like, having uh, a clear best player in MJ and LeBron over the course of two separate generations, people are looking for that next person. And I think a lot of people think that Jokic, like that the media is trying to push Jokic into that position. That's not what's happening. Like Jokic has been the most dominant offensive player for the last probably four or five years. And he has been the best and most impactful player in the NBA in each of the last three. I feel pretty strongly about that. What he does for the Nuggets on a consistent basis helps them get regular season wins more than anybody else. And that's how I value the that's how I value the MVP. And so that's why I consider him the MVP. Uh, there are players that are more geared to playing in the playoffs. I think Giannis is a little bit more geared towards that because of the switchability. I think Embiid, in theory, should be a better playoff player, but in practice has not been. So there's a lot to it. Like there's just a lot to all of this. And and I just don't think in general that Nuggets fans should be they should they Nuggets fans should not be going crazy over this stuff. Jokic has already won two. He might win one next year. Like there's there's no doubt that he could be back into the race next year if he plays and, and averages another triple double and the Nuggets are even better because they'll probably be healthier. They'll probably be more connected in general. That's at least the hope. So if that were to happen, that'd be dope. That'd be cool. And I'm just not going to worry about anything that's not uh the Nuggets trying to go get a, a W in the championship. Like they're they're gonna try to win the finals. They're not trying to win the MVP. Um Todd asked a question. Uh, somebody else asked a question earlier too. I just want to make sure. Uh Steve asked Oh <laughs> sorry. Uh Steve asked, do you think the Nuggets can get the first seed overall? What's the magic number for that? Let me go take a look at that real quick. Uh how you calculate the magic numbers in these cases. Uh, Milwaukee can technically win 62 games, 62. So Denver's magic number to getting to Milwaukee is 16. It's going to take a little bit. They are going to have to have help from Milwaukee losing several games and from Denver basically going undefeated down the stretch. If Denver goes, because Denver's 47 and 23, Milwaukee is 50 and 20. They have a three-game lead on that number one overall seed. So what would have to happen is Milwaukee would probably have to go seven and five for the rest of the season to get to 57 and 25. And then Denver would have to go 11 and one. I don't think they're going to go 11 and one. Actually, if they do win that Milwaukee game, if Denver wins that, then that might change the tiebreaker. I'm not sure what the tiebreakers would look like for that one because they're in different conferences, but if they got the tiebreaker, then Denver would only have to go 10-2 and two, as long as they won that, that Milwaukee game. So what I'm trying to say is that it's really going to be tough. It is going to be a very, very tough uh, ride to get the number one overall seed. But they are only one game back, Denver is, of Boston and Philly now, even though Denver's gone through this win streak or the, for, through this losing streak. So if Denver outpaces Boston, if they outpace Philly, if they can have the number two overall seed, then if Milwaukee doesn't get to the finals, then Denver has home court advantage over everybody else. So that is something to shoot for. You would like to have home court advantage in 
some of those situations, that would be great. Um, let's go back to this one. Uh, Todd asked, do you think Nerlens Noel could be an option for us? Uh, the buyout deadline passed already. So basically, you cannot sign anybody to play in the playoffs after March 1st. You could sign somebody to play for your regular season team uh, after March 1st, but it would not mean anything about the playoffs. So what Denver would be doing here is they would be getting a guy who would play for, I don't know, 10 games and then would not be an option in the playoffs. I don't think that's what they're going to do. I don't think that makes a difference for them. I think they would prefer to just keep Thomas Bryant, try to work him in. And if it doesn't work, then fine. They'll play Aaron Gordon at the five. They'll play Jeff Green at the five. They'll try a couple of different options there. Uh, it doesn't. Uh, maybe Zeke Naji comes back and is healthy. Uh, they are going to go with those options. I don't think they need Nerlens Noel. If I'm being honest, I don't. I don't think that's a necessity in any way, shape, or form. Um. Any other questions? Any other questions from folks? As, uh, uh Todd. Uh, 10-day isn't an actual contract, so I thought the March 1st was when they had to be waived by, but that's so that they could sign with other teams to be on a playoff roster. Like, you have to finalize basically your playoff roster before a certain time. Uh, it's why you see some two-way contracts that are being converted right now. Uh, there is a two-way conversion deadline that can actually change the end game roster, but I don't think that anything could really change with the general roster from free agents. So, Hurricane, if you have a question, let me have it, my guy. I really appreciate it. Uh, just just make sure to ask it rather than saying, I got one. <laughs> uh, oh, God. <laughs> I'm not answering that question. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to put it up on screen. I'm not going to answer it. I am not going to answer this question, though it is a very good question and a very funny question. Uh, Russell asks, do you think Malone is in trouble if they don't win the Western Conference Finals? Yeah, I do. Um, I do. I think that in general, the Nuggets will probably move on from Michael Malone if they don't make it there for sure. And they might even move on from him if they don't win in, and if they don't get to the NBA Finals. There is a high bar for Michael Malone. And he knows that, frankly. He understands that the expectations for this are uh, very important. Like they are, they are very, very important when it comes to uh, uh, just like Michael Malone has set these expectations himself. He has, like, he said it from the beginning of of this past offseason, where right at the end of Game Five, when Denver lost in Golden State, he said, hey, "The the." offseason and the road to a championship begins now for next year. And I think he was being serious. He wanted the organization to be as serious as possible, getting the players that they needed to get, uh, playing the way that they need to play, and setting themselves up for uh, what they needed to do in the playoffs this upcoming year. I think that they've done a pretty good job. I think Christian Brown's a guy that they can trust. I think Bruce Brown is a guy that they can trust, even though I have Various issues with how he plays. I think Michael Porter's a guy that they can trust. I think Jamal Murray, he's just got to get healthy, and then he'll be a guy that they can trust. I think Jokic, obviously, like you've just got to, you just got to do the thing, and and he will do it. I think KCP, Aaron Gordon will be helpful, and 
in how he plays and how Jokic plays, but Denver, they're going to do the thing. Like it, they're going to have to do it with Jokic or they're not going to do it at all. So they'll have to figure it out. And I think that they will, but if they don't, then yeah, Malone will probably be out. And that's going to be a scary one for a lot of folks, but especially for Malone, I know a lot of Nuggets fans will be like, okay, great. But Malone's been a part of this for the last eight years himself. And he just got his 400, 400th career win. He's had a lot of wins with the Nuggets. He's had a lot of playoff success with the Nuggets over these years. And even though there have been times where they haven't gone a long way, I do think that the fact that they've stayed the course, I think a lot of that is to do with Jokic and a lot of that is to do with the culture that they want to build. So we will see if the culture that they build can get them through this because they've had to go through ups and downs and they've had to figure it out. And I think Malone has had a good pulse on what to do with the team over the course of that time. And that's great. But there are also going to be some tactical things and some tactical questions that he's going to have to answer. And he's going to have to trust in players that he may not have trusted in uh, just a couple of years ago. So we will see about what, it, what happens there. But let's answer uh, two more questions here. Uh, serious question. What's your read on Gordon's shoulder? Seems like the biggest issue facing the team in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's gone under the radar a little bit because I think Murray's questions are a little bit more pressing from how it's affecting him. But I do think that Gordon, I'm not sure if it's affecting his shooting motion, but it wouldn't surprise me. He's been down from a three-point shooting perspective since the All-Star break, I believe. And he has also been down as a free, as a free throw shooter for the entire year. And I think that's kind of regressed as opposed to getting better. So he's got to figure that out. Uh, I do think that like, if it's a pain tolerance thing, then Gordon's a tough guy. He is going to get through it. He's going to, like, he'll probably have surgery in the offseason if, if it comes down to it. But he will, like, he'll be a guy who toughs it out. He is not, he's going to put on a brave face. He is going to do his best to fight through it. And a lot of guys are fighting through a lot of things right now. So it's not going to be, I'm not going to, like, you should champion Aaron Gordon. Uh, he is also doing what a lot of, other Nuggets veterans are doing right now. They're just trying to get through it, trying to get through the regular season and then win 16 games in April, May, and June. And they can do it. They can do that. But for Aaron Gordon, that's going to be a really intense part of the next couple of months. And last one, uh, Dode Gaming. Everyone talks about this being the year, etc. but the Nuggets will likely be a better team next year. Do you agree? Uh, I do think... Um, I do think in general that I think the Nuggets, if they lose in this, this year, there will probably be more than just a coaching change. There will probably be some shift of the core that they can make happen. And whether that's trading Murray or Porter or Gordon or somebody, uh, they'll probably shift something up to try to fit the team even better around what Jokic is doing. Uh, I don't think that, like, Jokic is obviously not going to ask out. Like, I don't, I don't think that he's that kind of guy. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if if things don't go well this year and it's an emotional thing for this group. And, like, let's say they get really close. Or let's say they don't get close. Let's say they, let's say they lose in a really ugly way. Then I'm not sure they're going to want to bring back the exact same team. Like maybe they will, and that'll be something up to Calvin Booth, Michael Malone, if he's involved, 
Uh, that'll be up to those guys. But I think that it's very possible that Denver goes the other direction instead. And they decide, hey, we're going to change some things up entirely and see see what happens. But they don't have a lot of trade assets. They'd have to move players. There's there's no way for them to get that much better without trading a couple of their top pieces. So it would be weird, and they'd probably have to sell, and it would be not a great situation in building around Jokic to be the best possible team that they could be. I think that this is the group. I think this group is good enough to do it. Christian Brown will be better next year. Michael Porter will probably be better next year. And there's a lot to look forward to for this Nuggets group. But that doesn't change the fact that the West is down this year. The East is like only you're only going to have to face one team out of the East no matter what. So whoever you face, you could probably beat. It's just going to take a lot. Denver's going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to do it. Uh, And I think that they will. I really do. Like My thoughts on that haven't changed. Uh, Sometimes, though, you just have to... Just have to take a step back and realize they're not always going to play the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs. They're going to start playing some tougher teams going forward. But the difference is I think they'll play against those tough teams pretty, pretty well. All right, folks, we've gone for over an hour. Uh, That, I think, is going to do it. Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? That is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Make sure to give this a like on your way out of the building. Uh, what a win to kind of uh, reset the expectations a bit, reset everybody's overall, uh, their, their feelings and their thoughts and their emotions and everything that comes into it. I'll be back on Saturday after the Nuggets play their day game against New York. Should be fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. We'll talk to you guys very soon.